So I want to share a thought with you. We're going to call the common, the common bond. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. So if you want to turn there, that'd be great. We'll go ahead and read uh, the whole chapter. It's 13 verses, uh, kind of the midway point of that letter of Paul to the Thessalonian believers. Um, but we'll be there in just a few minutes, all right? It's typical. I'd like to just kind of get our head wrapped around uh, maybe the direction that we're trying to go today. So all sorts of things connect us together, right? What are some of those things that connect us? I mean, we live on the same planet. We breathe the same air, right? Maybe we root for the same teams. What are some other things that connect us? We go to the same church. Okay, we're part of a family. But we serve the same Savior. There's a love for one another, all right, so that connects us. So all sorts of things, right, that connect us together. And some of those things are superficial and don't matter a whole lot. Some of those things are really significant, and that's what we're talking about today. At the core of our connectedness is faith in Christ. I mean, that's a, a relationship there that cannot be built in any other way. And so we can have friendships with others, relationships with others, but they'll never be as deep or as rich as those with whom we share a like faith. Uh, it just takes us to a place that nothing else on this planet can, can take us to. So we've, we're diverse, right, in all sorts of ways. So from young to old and from different life experiences or giftings, we're a very diverse group of people, and yet there's still this commonness or this connectedness that unites us together. Uh, but it's also this same connectedness sometimes that works to separate us from people who aren't of the same faith, right? And so we celebrate that here and we enjoy that here, but sometimes we get outside these walls when we tell people that we're Christian, that tends to be something that drives a, a wedge or a big barrier between us and other people. Where here, if somebody walks in and says, you're Christian, we're family, right? So that common bond is kind of that double-edged sword. It's good for those who believe and yet sometimes it is um, a hindrance or a struggle for those who have yet to believe. And it's, a, it's something that culture continues to work to silence. Right? So this is our day and age. And it's been the same. You remember when was it Peter and John who were preaching there in the book of Acts and they were beaten and told don't preach anymore? Right? The purpose of that was just to silence them because they didn't want to hear any more about this Jesus talk because it was creating all sorts of havoc and division within their culture. It's not any different today. Right? So the same things are going on. You've got people that don't believe, and what they're working to do is silence those who, who do believe. And I'll just give you one example here, although there are many in our current society. Now, here recently, there's a church in, um, around Taylor, Michigan. Have you guys heard this story? Metro City Church. And it's a church that has like three campuses. So there are three different locations, but still they're all that one Metro City Church. And... Uh, the, the students from this church, particularly the girls, have some real questions about sexuality and gender. And it brought up a lot of um, need within their church, right? Because this is cultures talking about all this stuff now. And so they put together this conference, which was going to be basically like six weeks uh, or six Saturdays in a row um, to invite these 12 to 16-year-old girls to have a, a, a biblical view of sexuality, Right? Helping them understand how God has made them and 
how they can stand on that is true. So would you be in, would you be against that? If we had girls that had questions about their gender and us trying to teach them from a biblical perspective, this is how God's made you and this is how you're uniquely crafted, you'd probably say, let's be all about that, right? We want to make sure we're pouring into those girls so that they understand how they've been made and who they are. Well, as word began to spread, they started to face some opposition. And so from the LBGTQAA, they just keep adding to it. There's like seven or eight letters right now, and I think there's even a plus sign, which includes whatever else we forgot to mention at this point. Um, they found out about this, and there's a big movement right now in Michigan from that group of people to silence that church. Uh, and so they have written all sorts of threats against them. And so this church has several thousand people the pastor and his family have received death threats. He said it's been hourly. Uh, matter of fact, there was one threat that was so credible that that gentleman currently is in jail. Uh, every church member has been under threat. So if this is the way your church is going to treat or function in our culture, we don't want you here. So we will kill every one of you. And if you host this conference, we will make sure that it makes like national news. We'll do some things here that will just wreck your world. Uh, so... Some scary stuff going on there, right? So they have postponed the conference uh, simply because they're concerned about life, right? I mean, in our day and age, that just makes sense. You've got people walking into schools or concerts, wherever, and they just shoot people for no random reason. If you've got people telling you, I'm going to shoot you, you better pay attention to that, right? So we've got to use wisdom in those sorts of, of, sorts of moments. They're also being investigated by the state of Michigan, uh, as people, and there's some kind of policy they have in the state which says you cannot, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, con they're calling it conversion therapy. The LBG, LBGTQAA movement is calling this conversion therapy. So taking a girl who may think that she's a boy and trying to explain to her from a biblical perspective why she's a girl and God has made her that way is viewed as almost a hate crime. And so they're calling it this conversion therapy and they've got um, lawyers in on this and they're just trying to shut this whole thing down, trying to really shut the whole church up. So the Family Research Council has got involved uh, and they are asking the state of Michigan to back down the pursuit of what they're doing to this church is unconstitutional and they don't really have grounds to stand on. And they don't yet, but it's still the intimidation factor, Right? So we live in a culture right now uh, that is working to silence those who believe, right? Specifically against these things that culture really wants to champion or wants to highlight uh, in, in this day. Uh, so we've just got to remember some things, right? That could be real discouraging. Uh, the pastor of that church is very hopeful. He wasn't discouraged at all. He felt like God's going to use this to just have a broader reach, and it has. More churches have come behind them and to support them, to say that we would want to host something like that as well at our church. And so just to make this a bigger movement. I mean, if we're going to make it all about be whoever you want to be, we're going to say, no, let's be who God made us to be. And we'll partner with that. Uh, so just as a little caveat here as well, you know, we may not host that for thousands, but what we can be assured of is our day's coming. 
Our day's coming where people around us here locally will rise up against us and ask us to quit doing what we're doing. They're doing it in other countries right now, right? You've got underground churches where you've got to be silent or you can face certain sort of charges or can be viewed as crime. Um, so, so that's our day. So we want to be, to be forewarned means we should be forearmed, right? If we know that this is the culture that we live in, then we want to try to prepare ourselves to, to live within that culture. So we're going to talk a little bit about that here today as it relates to the common bond of our faith. Uh, one thing we know about our culture, though, is that if you have faith, it's okay if you keep it in your home. Right? We just don't want it public because then you start influencing everybody else. And so that's why you've got, and it's specifically Christianity, right? And so we know how tolerance works. We tolerate everything except those who follow Jesus. You can say the name of God, just don't say Jesus. We're coming against you for that. So all these other religious groups have access and freedom on public universities and high school, middle school, elementary school campuses. But there's things that we just can't bring anymore, supposedly, right? You're not supposed to have a Bible or pray or those sorts, have them out in public or ask people to be a part of that. Uh, all that is is a silencing. So none of this is new. It's been around for a while. But what do we do as a result of that? And what has God built in to help us navigate the culture that we currently live in? And that's what we're going to work through here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. So if you've got a Bible... We'll head that direction here, okay? We've got Paul writing to these Thessalonians. These are some young believers, and they're facing some opposition. We're not sure what the opposition is, um, but it's coming against them to a point where it could wreck their faith, right? And so if somebody came to you and said, hey, you need to be silent, or there's going to be major ramifications against you, as a young believer, that could wreck your faith. Right? You could say, I'm not going to believe in this God anymore if it's going to bring all this against me. And so Paul's writing to them to express his concern and try to encourage them within this common bond, all right? So follow along here. You can on the wall or in your Bible if you'd like to this morning. Paul says, so when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. But we sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ. We sent him to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. Kind of sounds like our day, right? He's saying the same things that we're saying here today. Verse 4, in fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. And so the idea of receiving the gospel and then just turning from the gospel and walking away. But Timothy has just come to us from you and he's brought good news about your faith and love. He's told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. And for now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. And so now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. And may he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father 
when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. And so he's writing here in the middle of this letter to try to encourage these young believers just to keep going, all right? We've got some common things that unite us, and you're struggling and we're struggling, and so here's a common faith uh, and some things that we can receive as the result of that. So a few things that we'll highlight as we think about a, a shared faith, all right? A shared faith. What does it bring? What's our responsibility to it? Uh, what is this common bond even about? So here initially, a shared faith is going to create some concern for those that we share that bond with, specifically speaking, spiritually, right? Where we are considerate and mindful and concerned for the spiritual well-being of other people. So let's talk here a few minutes about this. You know, the idea of a personal faith is biblical, right? This personal relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ, that's biblical. The, the idea of our culture of a private faith just keep it to yourself. Don't share it with anybody else. And we're okay with that. Is not biblical whatsoever. And so where there is faith, then there is this immediate connectedness between people who are of like mind. And so within this connectedness, then there is to be a concern for the spiritual well-being of other people. And we find this here in Paul. Back in verse 1, he says, So when we could stand it no longer. You ever had those moments? I just couldn't stand it anymore, and so I pick up the phone and call somebody. You know, you're just, maybe you're concerned, did you get there already, or what were the test results, or what did you find out, and we're just, I can't take it anymore. I've got to know if everything's okay with you. So Paul says here, when we could stand it no more, we thought it best to leave ourselves in Athens, and ultimately they're going to send Timothy to go check on him. Now, what was it that he couldn't stand any longer? He just had to know if they were still standing strong in the faith, right? Because it doesn't tell us if the Thessalonians are experiencing trials or if Paul and the people with him are experiencing the trials. Could be separate, could be them together, but he is definitely concerned about them. He says this again in verse 5. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. And so where there is a... A, a shared faith, there's to be a spiritual concern for other people where we are uh, mindful of the struggle that they may be in, uh, unwilling to let somebody struggle privately. Now, there's the thing of where you say, and I don't want you, I don't need your help, please don't talk to me right now, I just want to be my, by myself. That where, when people give you the green light, or the red light rather, which says, just don't come any closer right now, then we should respect that. But where there is a struggle or a perceived struggle, then it's our responsibility to step in and show some concern. All right? We just can't simply say it's none of my business. Your faith is private. No, your faith is mutual. We share the same Savior. Right? We share the same faith. We share the same Lord, the same baptism, the same Spirit. We're under the same authority, same grace, same mercy. All that stuff is the same. So where there's concern for somebody, be willing to take the risk to pursue that person because you care about what it is maybe that's going on in their life. Risk getting involved for the health of that individual. And so faith has never been intended to isolate us from one another. It's always been intended to connect us. Right? It's always been intended to connect us. So initially here all we're saying, if we're going to have a shared faith and we do, what that should work in us is a concern for the spiritual health of those God has connected us with. 
Right? So if you're struggling, if you're facing something, we just can't step away and go, it's none of my business. We've got to step in and go, how can I help you? How can I pray for you? How can I serve you? Maybe there's not something going on. I just felt like there was, but I was unwilling to be silent. You know, one of the great things we have on this planet is being connected to other be- believers who have a similar faith. Right? Part of being a church family is one of the beautiful things we have on this planet, that we can share highs and lows, we can pray together, we can bear burdens together, we can serve and work together, we can worship together, we can learn together. So many wonderful things happen in the connectedness of faith. But initially what we see here in Paul is, he wasn't just going to plant them and convert them to Christ and then walk away and say, well, I hope they make it. He was intent on making sure that they would be faithful to the end. So a common bond of shared faith is going to create concern for others and their spiritual health. All right, secondly here, a common bond and a shared faith is going to help us battle and help us battle temptations. And one of the lies that we often buy, and I bought this for a long time, was I need to isolate myself when I have an issue. Right, I should be able to fix me. I should be able to deal with me. And I don't need anybody else to know what's going on. And sometimes we spiritualize it by saying, I just don't want to be a burden to that person. I don't want them to have to put up with me or bear with me or that's going to take time away from their schedule and I just don't want to be a bother to, to that person. Right? Where there's a shared faith, where we are connected together, then you help me battle better. Right? You help me battle temptation better. You help me battle doubt better. Right? You help me press on and stay well, just after it, to be uh, somebody that's in pursuit of Christ or trying to be consistent with what he's asked me to do, connected with you helps me in that. Where I'm isolated or I think I don't need other believers or the church, all I'm doing is setting myself up for failure. Right? That isolated temptation that no one knows about can sink a person. Right? It can ruin a person. And so here Paul is writing to encourage them as they battled some of these trials or temptations. And so here again, back in verse 5, for this reason, when I couldn't stand it any longer, I sent to find out about your faith. And he says, I was afraid. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. So as you're facing these trials, as you're trying to persevere, my fear was that you had given in to that thought in your head that says, quit. Right? It's not worth it. You can't do this. You've tried it. Right? It's totally against what most people in your world believe. And you ever hear those voices in your head? Right? They try to isolate you or try to tell you that it's not worth it. Right? Paul was talking of these very voices here as he was concerned about the temptations that they were facing. And so he sends Timothy along for a very specific reason. Let's go back and read it. This is verse 2. He says, I'm sending Timothy, our brother and co-worker in God's service and spreading the gospel of Christ. I'm sending him to you to strengthen and to encourage you. Right? I'm sending him to you to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one will be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. You ever been unsettled in a trial? You ever had a conversation with someone that didn't believe, that didn't go the way that you wanted it to, and you felt like you were shut down, or they knew more than you did, and you just didn't feel like you could defend or help lead them? Maybe you just felt really defeated in that moment. Right? Paul was writing here, he's sending Timothy to encourage them and to strengthen them in their faith in the midst of these battles. So trials can definitely be unsettling. 
And Paul's concern was for them to press on even in the midst of that trial. And so here again, one of the many gifts that God has blessed you and I with is sitting right here beside us. All right, so look around the room. Person on your left, person on your right, person in front of you, person behind you. God has blessed you with this person. And they are for your good and for my good. And one of the ways that we're good for one another is you help me battle and I can help you battle. Right? We are to work together through these things. So when you're facing a trial, which we're destined for, right? They're going to come. When we're going to try to be silenced or, you know, put away as though we are no longer relevant or our way of thinking is archaic, then we've got to continue to connect with one another to find that source of strength and encouragement to keep battling on in our faith. Now, we've done this already this morning. Did you guys realize that? Collectively, we have worked to build and strengthen and encourage each other in our faith, even in the midst of maybe some trials. One of the ways we've done that is through singing. Okay? So when we sing, we sing to the audience of one who is God our Father. But as we sing, we sing as a collective. We sing as a gathered people. And so what I sing as worship to my Father, I'm declaring to you as truth. So when you sing that back to me, right, all you're doing is strengthening and encouraging me in my faith, right? So as we, standing front, looking this way and observe you singing, it doesn't matter if you hit a note or not, right? You hear us sing, right? There's some notes we don't hit, whether it's on an instrument or with a voice. Some notes we just flat miss altogether. But it's not about perfection, right, or performance. It's about we want to be excellent in our worship of God because He's worthy of our very best. But it's sincere and it's genuine and it's heartfelt. And when, when you observe that in other people, that speaks to you. That encourages me, right? My faith is encouraged as I observe and listen others around me just sing. You know, some of the phrases we sang this morning, one was, I believe I overcome by the power of His blood. Remember that one? That was in the first song that we sang. When I listen to you sing that, or when I see you sing that, that speaks to me. When we talk about a battled faith, when we talk about trials and suffering that are definitely going to come, right? Persecution is the path for the kingdom. That's made clear in the book of Acts. When I see in your eyes, and I know some of the stories of your life, that you say, I believe I overcome through Jesus Christ, man, that's good for me. Or when I hear you sing, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Right? Not knowing what tomorrow may bring. Or because I know he holds the future. I'm not afraid or I'm not worried. When you sing that, that may be an act of worship to God, but you're declaring to the people around you that these things are true and that builds faith. That encourages faith. And that strengthens faith. We also sing the... The second verse of uh, it as well, right? Though Satan should buffet. This is exactly what we're talking about today. Though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control. Right? Anybody currently facing a trial? Are you struggling? Are you scared about something? Is there an unknown down the path here that you perceive is coming and you're not prepared to handle it? You don't know how you're going to handle it? You're not sure what you're going to do? All right, what you just declared to me when I'm feeling that way is, Corey, let this blessed assurance control. Well, what is that? 
that Christ hath regarded your helpless estate and he shed his own blood for your soul. And so when you sing that, that rejoices my heart. That strengthens my faith to see there are other people, like-minded people who share the same faith. And as an act of worship to God, you're speaking encouragement to me. And that last song that we sing there is our prayer song, that day by day. Day by day and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I have no cause for worry or fear. For he whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best, and that is lovingly. It's part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. And so as you sing that, here again, you're declaring to the people sitting around you that God is a wise God, that pleasure and pain are both going to be a part of life, but it's, it's a loving part of life. It's going to be for your good and it's going to be for the glory of God. And so I hope you'll remember that as you gather and as we sing together, okay? You might say, oh man, I just can't sing very well. Okay, it doesn't matter. Or you might say, well, I'm just, I don't really know that song or I don't know that I really like that melody. Okay, that's all right too. Just remember that when you do sing, you're declaring to the people around them, around you, your faith. And that's encouraging, right? That's strengthening. That's very helpful. And so it helps us battle. As we come to face trials and temptations, the shared faith is going to help, the, help us battle against that tempter. Uh, and so let's read a couple more verses here as we go back to our text here. These are going to be verses 7 and 8. All right? When you display faith, it encourages those who are currently in a trial. And when those who are currently in a trial display faith in that trial, it encourages those who are outside of that trial. So it works both ways. If I'm in it and have faith, those outside are encouraged. When I'm on the outside and I'm observing somebody in it, it encourages me as well. And so therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distresses and persecution, what's Paul say? We were encouraged. Okay? You've got distress going on. You've got persecution going on. That's current. And then we've also got encouragement going on at the same time. And they were encouraged because of the faith of the other people around them. Right? So this person is battling. It's hard for them. But they're persevering, hanging on to the Lord. And they're prayerful. But they may be broken. All right? And they're confident. But they may have some things that they just don't know. All right? And there's some peace there even though they just can't figure out all the details. When you observe that in people, man, that speaks to, to those who are looking in. You remember when Paul said in Philippians 1 that his chains, his imprisonment have served to further the gospel. Because those who are outside of prison as believers were greatly encouraged now. You know, what the natural mind would say is you take a leader and imprison him and all the followers will flee. Right? Isn't that what the religious leaders said about Jesus? You know, crucify Jesus, and then let's see if all the disciples scatter, and if they do, we know it's not real. Well, did the disciples scatter? They did for a day or two, right? And then Jesus returns, and the Spirit comes, and they are relentless. Bring on whatever it may be, but we're going to press on in what we've seen and experienced. This is truth, and to deny it would make us liars. And so they pressed on. When people press on in their trial, it speaks faith and encouragement to those observing. In verse 8 he says, For now then we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. 
What a contrast, right? Verse 1 and verse 5, Paul says, I couldn't take it anymore. I just couldn't stand not knowing whether or not your faith was holding up through all this struggle. But now I know. And I've heard of your love for others. And I've heard how you've longed to see us. And I've heard from Timothy that your faith is vibrant. And even though we're in the midst of a struggle, man, we are rejoicing. We are encouraged. Now we really live because we understand that you're standing firm. See, where there's a shared faith, when you observe people battling even in the midst of trial, that speaks faith to me. Right? From the outside looking in and from the inside looking out even, sometimes when we see people standing alongside us with faith, that's, that's just as powerful. So it's going to help us battle as we face the temptation to quit or give up or to listen to those voices in our head that tell us things contrary to truth. And then third here, shared faith is going to result in unending praise to God. Now this has been the anthem of the church, hasn't it? Since Jesus ascended, there's just been unending praise that has made its way up to heaven day after day after day from all over the planet. People that you and I will never meet here that we'll spend eternity with, they love the same Savior, right? They're under the same grace. They're part of the same family. We worship the same God. There's just unending praise that continues to go upward through those who have this shared faith. And so I want you to think about a few things for a minute. How many times, how many times has your faith been stirred by someone else's faith? There's probably a person or a situation that comes to mind when you think of somebody that kept faith even though it was hard. You have that individual that experienced that moment, like something you observed in them. Doesn't that stir your faith? And that stirs my faith when I think about other people battling and not relenting, not turning, uh, not turning away. How many, how many times have you found yourself facing something that was difficult? Not really knowing that I, if you could even trust God with it. Only to hear about somebody else who had faced a, a struggle or difficulty. Maybe nothing like yours. And then to hear how God came through. Right? We've got many stories like that that we can share of where God was faithful and he came through. Man, when I hear you share those stories, that builds my faith and encourages me. And in, in response, I give praise to God. You know, maybe it's not the same situation, but sometimes I say, if, if God could do that for them, then he can do it for me. You know, if he could make a way where there seemed to be no way for the Israelites through the Red Sea, he can make a way for me. And so we can trust God with that and results in unending praise. How many times have you given thanks to God for somebody else's faith? I would say these things are common where there is that common bond. And it was common for Paul as well. And when you go back to the text, here's what he says. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Right? How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? I mean, to put this another way, we could just simply say, I just can't stop thanking God for you. And for what I've heard of you and for what I've seen in you and how I've observed your faith. I'm not saying you're perfect. I'm saying as you're pressing after the Lord, that has encouraged me and I give thanks to God because of your unrelenting faith. 
Now listen, we've talked here about Mr. Graham recently. We may never preach to millions. We may never go to an unreached people group in some remote part of the world, and there's nothing wrong with us not doing those things. Right? You do what God leads you to do. You follow the Spirit's prodding in your heart. Let's live obedient to the Word and what God's asking of us. I just want you to know your faith plays an important role in the strength and encouragement and faith of other people. And as you continue to battle, as I continue to press on, that's something that can encourage those who are around us. And the end result then is, I, I thank God for you. Right? I thank God for how he's answered your prayer. I thank God that you didn't quit when it got hard. Because that speaks to me. And so we give God thanks because of you. And we give God thanks because of the work in your life. See, the shared faith has major ramifications. Outside the walls and outside of those who are connected, people just want to silence it and they don't understand it. But within it, there's power. Right? Within it, there's a responsibility to one another to be concerned about each other's spiritual health. Within it, there's help. Help to battle. Right? We're going to be battled outside these walls. The last place we want to be battled is where? It's inside the walls. Right? So we've got to remember, yeah, we're different. We've got different opinions or preferences on things, but we share a common faith. And that is what links us. That's what unites us. So let's don't focus on those little things that may distract us. We can have good conversations, but let's rise together in the things that unite us and that shared faith. Right? Setting self aside, displaying concern for one another, helping each other as we struggle. And the end result is that God will be praised. You know, I've shared with you this same story several times, I know, but it just came to mind as I was preparing for, for today. And one of the last conversations I had with my grandpa Malone, you remember what he told me? We were talking about the church and how things had shifted. And grandpa knew that there was definitely a culture shift and the way the church used to do things, those ways weren't working anymore. And he didn't have the answers for what we should do because that's what I was wanting Tell me what I should do. And standing next to that champagne-colored Cadillac, he was getting ready to get in. He said, son, all I can tell you is be faithful. Just be faithful. He got in his car and shut his door and drove off. And I'm just standing there like, okay, be faithful. And little did I realize that I would just hang on to that. I mean, that is just something that has resonated in my heart. And the older I get, the more wise I understand that my grandpa was. Because there's lots of things that I may want to do for God, but maybe God doesn't lead me or just doesn't work out that way. But there are lots of things that happen among those who believe where there's a shared faith. And so maybe I can try to reach my neighbor and he won't come to the Lord. And I have no control over that. But I can show concern for you. Right? I can show concern for you because we have a shared faith. And there may be people who are struggling with drugs and divorce with all sorts of dysfunction in their life outside the walls who don't want to hear anything about my God. But there are people that God has connected me with that I can love and try to help you as you battle. And you can do the same for me in return as we face pressure and oppression and temptation and opposition. And people outside may say, oh, don't worship that God. He doesn't even exist. 
Whereas when I see God at work in your life, it causes me in turn to give thanks to him. Your faith encourages me, and that's, that's the way it's supposed to work. So we're not saying we don't work outside the walls. We absolutely do. But today we're focused on some of the good things that come as a result of a shared faith. Right? The common bond that unites us here is this thing of faith, and the ultimate good that comes about is that God is praised. And so as I wonder here before we close is, if this is some of the ways that a shared faith works, I just wonder, is this how your shared faith is working itself out? And maybe there is somebody that you're connected with. Maybe it's in this church family or another believer somewhere that you have great concern over. Have you checked on them lately? Have you called them or stopped by or sent them a note, given them a phone call? Said, hey, I'm just, I'm concerned about you and I love you and I don't want to be in your business but I know you're battled. And I just want you to know you're not in this alone. I want to pray for you. I want to help you. I want to serve you. If I can, if you tell me to go away, I will. Right? Maybe there's somebody in your life right now that you know needs to hear that. I want to encourage you. Go ahead and take that risk. Go ahead and take that step. Reach out to them. And maybe we'll sit here today and you say, you know, I'm kind of battled myself. Don't isolate yourself. Right, share that with somebody that God's connected you with, whatever it is. Do you believe that you can honestly share your temptation here and how you've given in and you can find people who will partner with you? You know, people outside the walls don't believe that. They think if they came in here and told people that they were addicted to all sorts of things that they would find judgment and they would be told to get away. And could you and I look eye to eye with one another and just be completely transparent and both of us walk away with a greater connection? Or would you say, man, I didn't want to know all that. I didn't need to hear that. Well, that's really changed my perception. We're not perfect. And we all battle and we've all got temptations and things that we struggle with. Right? Can we come vulnerable to one another and say, hey, will you partner with me in prayer? Will you help me battle this? Could be some sort of opposition in your family or your place of work or school. And partner together. And the end thing then is give God thanks, right? Let's don't settle for hogging credit that belongs to God. Ultimately, the praise is, is His and His alone.